the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. My father bought for two zuzim. Then came the cat and ate the kid. My father bought for two zuzim. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. It's our Passover edition. Passover is coming up. On Wednesday night will be the first Seder, and we'll go on till the 13th, so we get a show in the middle in between. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be interviewing something, well, maybe we'll, we'll put a little, maybe a Passover spin on it. Mr. Jack Hazan has written a book called Mind Over Batter, 75 Recipes for Baking as Therapy. That's his thing, Baking as Therapy. He's a therapist, and he's also a baker. Something organization called Jack Back Bake. We'll talk about both that and uh, his institute. In the second half hour, we'll be talking about Passover. There is no portion of the week, as it has been received, but it will be returning next week after the Passover holiday. Never fret. We've got music all throughout the show. Some of it Passover, some of it not. We like to keep things mixed up. Mixed up. We have a very poignant. Story this is one of these deep philosophical stories. Not a miracle, but you know, maybe a personal miracle. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Montreal's oldest synagogue, the Bag Street Synagogue, was spray painted with swastikas. Ben Beryl Zikowitz. A Jewish member of Finland's parliament was assaulted in a Helsinki subway station. The attacker punched him in the face and shouted anti-Semitic insults. Greek authorities arrested two men for planning mass terrorist attacks on Jewish sites in Athens, including the Chabad House and a Jewish restaurant. Indonesia will no longer be hosting the World Cup Under-20 soccer match as it is a tournament as it protested Israel's participation. 
Israel is the largest Muslim country and does not recognize Israel. Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib removed a tweet of an IDF soldier attacking Palestinian teenagers after it was pointed out to the congresswoman that the soldiers were separating two Palestinian teenage gangs that were fighting at the end of Ramadan services in Jerusalem this last Friday. And finally, some good news, representatives from nearly 30 African and Middle East countries were in Jerusalem this week for a conference titled Trusted Regional Partnership at a Time of Shifting Alliances. The focus of the conference was increasing cooperation between Israel and the Middle East and African nations in the areas of national security, counterterrorism, food and water security, and the environment. They also discussed expanding the Abraham Accords. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Schulfeman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on live Mr. Jack Hazan, who has written a interesting book. Really, this is a book that's very fascinating. The book is called Mind Over Batter, 75 Recipes for Baking as Therapy. How are you today, Jack? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank God. Thank you for asking. Okay. Now, uh, first question, baking as therapy? Explain that, please. Yeah. So, you know... I, uh, this all started, I was in, you know, grad school, um, and I needed to make some extra money. So I needed to make some extra dough, so I started baking some dough, no pun intended. And I uh, was just baking bread, and um, I brought it to a Shabbat dinner, and someone said, Oh my God! This is, you need to get this into stores. I'm like, oh, you know, I this is amazing. Um, and believe it or not, uh, they had this connection to um, a distributor and, a, and, a, and a, a commercial kitchen. And I was like, okay, I, I planted the seed. I go about my I go about my you know I, I, don't, I don't really think about it. I'm baking out of my kitchen, and then. Um, it kind of it kind of grew from there. I noticed that when I was baking through school, when there were tests, exams, papers, I would tap into this sort of calming feeling process of baking that would keep me clear, it would keep me grounded, and it would keep me calm. And so whenever I had like a test coming up or an, ex- uh, an exam, which there were several, and a paper, and I felt overwhelmed, I would take it to the kitchen and I would just bake it out. 
And that is just something I didn't really put a name to it, but I knew that that was the thing I turned to. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, my business grew throughout school. It wasn't until school came to an end that I said, oh, I feel so bad. I have to give up baking for therapy. I told my classmates on the last day and my professor said, Jack, baking is therapy. And I said, oh my God, it is, you know? So I put together this, this, I, I put my thoughts down. It took a while, but I thought, okay, let me organize my a guidebook, really. It's not necessarily just a cookbook. It's a guidebook of different um, concerns or themes that people bring into therapy. And, uh, you know, each recipe corresponds to that theme. So um, the Finding Comfort chapter, which deals with grief and loss, it tells you to tap into the aroma ther- aromatherapies available while baking a recipe that you've baked with someone you loved before that reminds you of a time you want to be transported back to, or the mindfulness chapter that uses um, checking in with the body and the hands when ba- making a recipe, or the, or the self-care chapter, which um, has all these amazing recipes that you can indulge just for you and share it if you want to. Um, that's kind of how it came about. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's based it's based on the idea that baking when done mindfully can be healing okay that's fascinating and, and when when done mindfully there are therapeutic benefits to baking and you could tap into just creativity and and calm and um it also is a wonderful opportunity by the way to connect with others because you can share it after so Okay, good. So now, do you consider yeah. yourself a therapist who bakes or a baker who therapizes? therapizes? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've been, <laughs> I think about that sometimes because I'm so not a therapist, you know, like like that's so not my, my vibe, my persona. Um, I would say, you know, but at the end of the day, yes, because also I'm not a, by the way, I'm not a trained baker. I'm an amateur baker. I started baking with my Hala. It all started with Hala. I would bake with my, my grandmother after school every Thursday, Hala. And I was, she, she taught me, you know, the power of, well, I actually felt the power of baking therapy. I found that to be therapeutic. And what we, we would talk about everything as we baked, what was going on and how I'm feeling. So I was actually doing it a while ago. And that's kind of how I got into baking, but I never was formally trained. Uh, well, believe me or not, that sounds like you were formally trained by your grandmother who was formally trained by her grandmother who was formally trained by her grandmother. So you've got generations of formal training there, Jack. Don't uh, sell yourself short. So, but it's, to me, when I first saw the, the blurb about it and I said, this, this could be an interesting book and we requested it from the publisher. And I was thinking of a Saturday Night, Saturday night, Saturday night Live sketch where this person comes in and says, doctor, I'm depressed. What should I do? And the therapist says, go bake a babka. Is that, (laughs) does that, I don't want, I don't want to be flippant, but is there something to that? Oh my gosh. I have to tell you something, Rabbi. I'm laughing because my favorite recipe in the book is the babka. 
And I'm telling you, it has the most there. It is the most healing recipe. There are so many different aspects of that recipe, the process of it, making the crumbs, um, using the dough as your very own stress ball, um, eating it after. You can share it with people. It's just, it's a, it's, 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 I'm actually going to do that today, to be honest. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll tell you, for me, like, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a therapist, I'm a talk therapist, you know, that's kind of, I, I, re, I honor the work and, and respect the work, but I created this as an alternative to talk therapy because I don't, I feel like that you don't necessarily always have to talk your problems out. I think you can use your, your body, I think you use your hands, I think you can use, like, of, of getting out that energy of shifting it. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think we think we just have to talk through problems, but we can work through them differently. We can work through them differently. And, and I, like, I think anyone listening who's baked before might agree on some level that baking is a form of stress relief and self-care. Um, and the time you, you take to engage in the process of baking even selecting the recipe, measuring the ingredients, mixing them, preparing them, it can be meditative, you know, and, and, and provide a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. So, you know, I always say turn your kitchen into a sanctuary if you can't really um, make it to a therapist's office. Or I'll tell you, a lot of people can't afford to go to traditional talk therapy. It's very expensive. I'm not saying this is a supplement for that, um, but... I know if you just want to tap into yourself and, you you know, you don't have the means to get, I say, why not, you know? Cool. Okay. Like my grandmother would say, it probably couldn't hurt. But anyway, so now I have, I have a question for you. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. So you were in grad school when you were really getting into it. You said every time you had like a test coming up, you were stressed, you would go bake. I have kids who have gone through yeah. grad school. I have one kid in grad school right now, and it is very stressful. How many pounds did you gain during grad school? Oh, listen, my I'm going to tell you something. I came from a... Syrian Jewish household, while there, yes, there was an abundance of food. My mother always uh, made things healthy and taught us the importance of watching calories. I'm telling you, I never really indulged. I always, we grew up on such healthy food. She was a vegetarian, we weren't. But um, for us, we're just, we're always, always, we were always watching the, the nutritional label. So not much, but I will tell you, um, how many emotional pounds did I gain? Because by the time I graduated, I had to stay an extra semester. I switched schools. My credits didn't transfer. It was like just so. Uh, I, I think about that process, and I, 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 I'm, I'm like, it's a blessing and a miracle I'm here, you know. But okay, um, I would bake my way through it. Me, my thing. You know, I don't know. My thing is when I bake, I don't know if this is anyone else. I'll bake, for example, I'll make a challah, you know, and I'll make a small one for me if I want to try it and then give away the rest. I'll make a dozen muffins. I'll keep two for myself, one for now, one for breakfast. Cookies, I'll keep a few and I'll give away the rest. I know if I keep it, I'm eating it. But also, I love, Rabbi, the, the feeling of, giving it to anyone and not just friends and family. I'll give it to the parking lot attendant. I'll give it to the doorman. I'll give it to someone 
on the street that's you know, I love sharing what I bake. It it helps me feel connected to people. Can you can you it move does. to Detroit? Can you move to Detroit? <laughs> can you move to Detroit? <laughs> Listen, I would, I have friends there. I would. I have a lot of friends in Bloomfield Hills who are probably listening because I told them. Um, but yeah, okay. you know. <laughs> Good. Our guest today is Jack Hazan. He's written a book called Mind Over Batter, 75 Recipes for Baking as Therapy. Now, as when I, when, I, when I really thought about the title, so I was thinking about my wife, who is a uh, – she, she's got some really magnificent recipes. And she expressed to me when she bakes challah, which the whole, the whole thing about challah, people recognize challah as being like this twisted egg-covered dough uh, bread thing that you buy in the bakery on Friday afternoon. But it has a whole tradition going back all the way to Moses because people, you would bake bread for the week. And the best uh, flour, the white flour, was used for Friday for the, for the Shabbos. And there's a dough offering which was given to the Kohen, to the priest, so that they can bake their own bread. And that dough offering was called the challah. And since it was taken from the white dough, so the bread that was baked from it was called, therefore, challah. So my wife tells me that when she would do this, the making of challah, she felt this connection going back generations. When when you're baking, say, some of these recipes that you have in here, like your challah and, and whatnot, do you feel that connection? And, and when you're telling people about it, do you want them to feel that that deep connection to the to our history? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I by the way, thank you for that history. Actually, I was I've been making it for decades, but I don't I didn't really understand the full history. Thank you for that. A hundred percent in my chapter. Um, finding comfort. It talks about how you can use the, the like, for example, in baking challah. I set an intention to connect back to my grandmother. I, when I'm baking her recipe that was passed down to her, I'm feeling connected to my, to the lineage that came before me. I feel connected to my heritage. I feel connected to my family of and, and my ancestry. I feel that. I envision that. I use my I use my, my imagination to imagine what it was like when they're baking it. But also I tapped into the memories of baking with my grandmother and the stories that she would tell me about baking it with her mom. And so I totally feel connected. Um, even though I'm not there, it sort of takes me there. And I think that recipes and baking have that power. They have the power to take you just the same way, Rabbi, a song can make you feel connected, to take you back to a time or a person or a history that you want to feel connected to. I think baking and flavors and aromas and even the process can take you there. It okay. can shift you back. And um, especially, especially challah and a lot of the Middle Eastern recipes I bake, you know, while I never got to go to Syria, which is where my grandparents are from, um, when I'm baking the Middle Eastern Syrian desserts, it's kind of like I feel like I'm going back there. I, and it feels like I'm paying tribute and honoring them by keeping the, those, that, those flavors and those aromas and alive and sharing it with others. Okay. Now, let me let – me, <clears throat> excuse me uh, – uh, we have a library in Jewish Ferndale, which is where all the uh, 
the books that we receive from the various publishers go after we've reviewed them and interviewed people. And we have various different catalog categories. We have 52 categories of Jewish books. And it just so happens that the cookbooks are right next to the self-help books. It's just that's the way the, the things were set up. And I was looking at this, and I was really perplexed. Is this Should this book go on the shelf with the cookbooks, or should it go on the shelf with the self-help books? I would say, if I had to choose, I would say it should go with the self-help book because the idea is healing, and the way you get there is baking. So I don't know if it's openness to learn how to cook as much as it's openness to bake your way through, you know, I don't like the word self-help, maybe self-improvement, but... That's what I think. But, you know, everyone thinks something different. Actually, we have this conversation all the time. Does it go in self-help? Does it go? But, you know, I, I, I think, I mean, have you, have you, if you were able to see it, did you find it more of a cookbook or more of a, it's definitely a cookbook that's, it's a cookbook that's used for, you know, self-improvement, sure, but it's not like any other cookbook that would be on mm-hmm. that shelf, which is just, here's a recipe, here's the ingredients, go. Okay, that's true. Our review team came back um, with it. We got the book just this week, and it went through the review team very quickly. Some books kind of like languish, and uh, but this one sort of got immediately pushed to the top of the pile, and uh, they just said, this is a go. you got to do this right away. And, but the, the comment that I got was focus more on the stories than the recipes because the, the recipes are recipes, but the stories are stories. So it, it is, it isn't true indeed. So one of the things which, uh, which, which, uh, piqued my interest because people come to me as a rabbi and they, people come to me for all kinds of problems. And when somebody's t- sitting there telling my problems, so I'm thinking to myself, this guy's coming to tell me his problems. And does he understand that my degree in becoming a rabbi was understanding bovine anatomy and pathology? That's really what my expertise is. But he's expecting because I have the word rabbi in front of me that I can solve all of their problems. But one of the – did you know that that's what rabbis do? I mean, uh, we become rabbis because we know, about, we know about kashris and other things like that. They don't – there's no – in the yeshivas, they don't tell us about how to handle people's problems. We kind of figure that out on the fly because everybody's got problems and the problems are just so many and there's just so many problems and so many problems have so many solutions. But – the the section here you have a section here about having the pantry okay and i'm thinking to myself this is a thing that when people come to me a lot of the problems that they have is they have really no order in their lives they haven't put things in their proper places they don't have quote unquote a pantry so could you tell us when you're dealing with somebody in, in like therapy the importance of a properly stocked ordered pantry my gosh, you know what? You are really tapping into it. I'll tell you that. Um, I there is so what I one of my favorite parts of the book is turning your kitchen into a sanctuary, which starts with having the basics. And can I tell you something, everybody listening? It is 
not expensive at all. It is to keep the staples in your home. It also gives helps you feel more empowered to bake. So if you're not like some master baker, like I'm not either, uh, and you want to feel inspired and okay to bake, I think having that preparation is of, of having the staples and keeping it organized helps you stay empowered uh, and I think more so you'll be more inclined to bake or cook or create anything in the kitchen when you know you're prepared. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's a, the preparation meeting the opportunity of baking is what's going to create something wonderful. If you're not prepared when you're baking, it becomes chaotic and stressful. You don't have this, you can't find that, and then you spend time in, you know, oh, where did I put this? I can't find that. I don't have this. I have to order that. Let me run in. Run out. It becomes hectic. You know, it just becomes hectic. It takes the calm out of it. But there's a way to do it, you know. Go ahead, elaborate, please. Yeah. So I say stick to, like, reference my book here. I call it a mise en place of different, okay, a whisk, a wooden spoon, two mixing bowls, okay? Like, and then that's, like, basic stuff. Then you could get, like, the rolling pin or, like, a, an, I'm oh, sorry, a baking tray would also be part of the basics and, like, a nine-inch round cake. That you can really create anything. Um, really, you can. Then if you have the basics, which is, like, baking powder, baking soda, flour, sugar, eggs you can't keep in the pantry, um, vanilla, you could, you have, you could do whatever. Now tell me, that's nothing. And you keep that in one small, it becomes your little toolbox. I I say that becomes your baking therapy toolkit. Um, And I think there's something else to be said for, and this is kind of what I would, if I were to write a second book, I would talk about this, which is keeping a clean and organized kitchen, having helping you be able to create more, because there's order and there's clarity, and through that order and clarity, you can create. You know. Fascinating, indeed. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. I think decluttering the kitchen is probably like one of the best things you can do for yourself. Okay. We uh, have the space, everybody. We just don't we, – we we do have the space for all this. We, the thing is we, we just we, – we're not organized, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about since you're living in New York City, most people's kitchens are about the size of a quarter. So with the amount that's allowed in, yes, in, in part And in I had a studio – okay, think about this. I had a studio while I was baking throughout grad school, but I had – like, I did it in a way that was smart. I didn't have more space. I had smart space. I had bins. I had organizers. I kept this here. And by the way, I threw out what I didn't need. I was never making, you know, if I was never making a tart, I didn't need three tart pans. You know, um, mm-hmm. I just, I kept what I needed. And there was, you can create space. And by the way, Everyone, don't be afraid to put your baking dishes in the oven in that lower 
pull-out tray, which we all have, but we don't know we have. Under the oven, there's a drawer. That's for storing trays. That's for storing bakeware, metal bakeware. Yeah. Indeed. That's a that's an important thing also. Okay, so now one thing I noticed in going through some of the recipes, the very first recipe, you utilized a shortcut. It's a very this recipe sounded very um, I don't know how your Yiddish is, very ungepachtet. This was a this was a recipe that was like we're talking a chocolate caramel butter cream chocolate ganache cake just the title of it is takes takes like a whole page okay and my my blood sugar just like went through spike right through the roof just saying it okay <laughs> second ingredient second ingredient is duncan Hines cake mix okay so i'm thinking to myself what 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 but then i thought to, to myself when i had when we with the finman house was uh, seven kids plus every kid on the block and kids, kids need cake. It's one of those things kids need. need. So, I'm wife is is busy with seven kids, and I'm doing what's in. So we, we, you needed cake. So if you, you could do anything to a Duncan Hines cake, and it would still come out cake. And like for example, I would just like take silken tofu, and just like blend it into it, and then I'd use like you did with the sour cream, and it was like people were saying, "Oh, Rabbi Finman, you make these cakes." Okay, it's Duncan Hines. So tell us, people want to do things. Really, they want to do when you're doing something like this. They think they they don't have a permission to take shortcuts, and therefore they don't have permission to take shortcuts in life. So tell us about the shortcuts in life that we can allow ourselves. Jack Hazan. Okay, first off, I got to tell you, you hit the spot with me when you say Duncan Hines Cake Mix. I love, I, you can really do it. I think it's one of the, one of the greatest innovations in baking is Duncan Hines Cake Mix. All of them, it turns, it helps anyone become a baker. I, it, it, in a, you're in a, in a, it's a, it's a sure thing. It's, um, it's totally like what's the greatest invention. I feel like there's nothing like it. And it always tastes good. You can make a cupcake out of it. You can make a trifle out of it. You can make a pound cake out of it. You can make a bun. It's wonderful. And, and like, what is it? Three bucks. So, um, let me tell you, I believe in shortcuts. I do. And you can, it, I, it's been so, um, it's so frowned upon. Like, everything has to be complicated and from scratch. Says who? No way, no way. If you can find a shortcut to make something delicious and, and inventive and something that you can put your own style into it, why not do shortcuts? Why not? I have, if you, in my book, I have, for example, I don't know, do you, do you like churros? And I could tell you, if you gave me one, no, I would I eat. If, if you gave me one, I would eat it. But I wouldn't go like uh, out of my way to say, "Oh, I really got to go get a churro." No, but yeah, I know what you mean. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. It's hit or miss. It's right. hit or miss. In the recipe, instead of doing a homemade sauce, I put two dipping sauces. Okay, the 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 puff pastry pear puff pastry, which I love puff pastry. I think most people love puff pastry when it comes to baking. Instead of making the puff pastry, which is this long arduous process, I say buy store bought. You're still individualizing it. You're just it's it's okay to have a little bit of help from the store bought stuff. 
You know what I mean? It is. I actually think sometimes it makes it better. Um, Cause they know what they're doing uh, when the they're making, day, they know, they know what they're doing when they're making shoe pastry. Yes. You know, the other day I made cupcakes or a baking video that I posted on my Instagram and uh, I used Duncan Hines store-bought frosting. I did. I could show everyone, look, I put the effort into making the cupcakes. I'm going to take it easy now with the frosting. So I make it manageable for myself. I think when you give people the opportunity to make things manageable and tailor it to what works for them, they're more inclined to do it again. You know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Indeed. You know, it just, it, it occurred to me that a lot of people, when it comes to cooking, they're influenced by television. You have things like Hell's Kitchen and the Great Bitter Bake Off, where there's a lot of stress and tension in these things. And that's, that's what's like selling is, can that person make the perfect phyllo dough? And it's just like, we, we don't need to live our lives like that, do we, Jack? We don't have to be good at everything, Rabbi. We don't have to be great at everything. You could be, you know, creative and have wonderful ideas, but not be great at, like, making the perfect pastry. Or um, I make a delicious cookie. They never come out even. And what I do is, I, what I talk about in the book is uh, letting go of the need for, for everything to be perfect. Letting go and just going with the flow of baking. And that's where the therapeutic benefits really come alive when you let go of here's how it has to come out it has to taste like this i have to do i don't want to be the you know and that's like a lot of the, the women in my life that everything needs to be perfect when in the kitchen and i'm like you know to my sister on my end i'm like this is so delicious okay so you cooked it a little bit more no but it takes away the color no one cares we're connecting to what you made we we we're you put TLC into it. It's delicious. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Indeed. Sometimes good enough is good enough. It, it kind of reminds me. I've been married for 40 years, thank God. And every week my wife makes cholent, which you would probably call hamim, which is a Shabbos afternoon stew, which has been left to cook for many hours. My wife every week makes an A-plus cholent. But in 40 years, she has never repeated the same challenge. It's always it's always been different because that's that's just there's no <laughs> I don't care about quality control just as long as it tastes good. So indeed. So this we have to wrap it up. I we could talk for for more and more and more. But uh, we've been talking with Jack Hazan, who's written a book Mind Over Batter with a B like boy. Seventy five recipes for baking and therapy. It's Chronicle Press available wherever you would get your cookbook self health improvement books and jack we want to thank you so much and, and it's on sale on amazon everybody on sale on so amazon. You know, and and tell us tell us very quickly if i want to if i want to get something from uh, or, or if i want to hear about jack bakes which is your baking organization what do i do about that go on my instagram jack bakes nyc jack bakes nyc and jackbakes.com um, and feel free to leave me a message on Instagram. I answer those and I check them. Awesome. And I will follow you back. Wonderful. Okay. We want to wish you continued success and keep us apprised of anything uh, that comes new on your table. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. 
and I'm happy that you got the book. Thank you. It's my, it's been our honor. We're that's going to do it. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The lower peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan kosher supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Herschel Fleming here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, this is brand new. This is not a Passover song, but we have six weeks of non-instrumental music coming up, and I thought this was a really good song, so we're going to play it. It's sort of, you could kind of tie it into Passover. This is Ellie Marcus, who is half of Eighth Day, which we've played zillions of times. The song is called Malachi Elyon, which means supernal angels. And it's really requesting that the supernal angels go before the Almighty and bring the Mashiach so that, I guess, at the conclusion of the Haggadah, when we say next year in Jerusalem, we could be really be that by this Wednesday night, we're sitting in Jerusalem. Let's listen.
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. It's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Feynman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up next, usually we save uh, acapella stuff for the acapella weeks, which begin the week after next. We have six weeks of acapella. But it's a Passover song, so play it for Passover after all. This is the Y Studs, which I'm assuming they're a YU group, and they've kind of like moving in on the Maccabees turf. There's always been a acapella Jewish singing group going back to the Bitachon way back when. So this one's called Don't Stop, We're Leaving, and it's a parody of the song Don't Stop Believing, which I'm not familiar with, but that's what it said in the credits. So this is just for you.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Simon here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This upcoming Wednesday night is Passover, so it is we don't we refrain from eating um, grain which has been allowed to ferment to rise. So that means bread, pasta, cereals, etc., things like that. We don't eat those, but we do eat matzo, which is made of the same stuff. It's just that it hasn't been allowed to ferment, to rise, to leaven, as the case may be. It's just flour and water and baked at a zillion degrees, so it becomes like this cracker thing. And um, it's a big mitzvah to eat it on the first night and the second night of Passover. It's also a big mitzvah to discuss why we left Egypt. It's also a big mitzvah to do all those other things that we do there. And it's a very interesting thing. Is, well, why? Why do, we, why do we need to do this? And then the, the other thing is, is that the Seder, it's not a ceremony. And the Haggadah is not a prayer book. But it's a point for discussing. It's like we need to remind ourselves that this is who we are. That we, we were taken out of Egypt and it's set up as a discussion between children and, and adults. There's always the thing about the four questions and then the answers that come with it. And it's geared towards young uh, kids. And I'm a kid. I'm somebody's kid. So it's geared to all of us. And it's the, to ask the question, why is this night is the deal. Okay. And to keep asking and asking and asking. That's what Passover is going about, going out of ourselves to even be able to ask the question. When I'm teaching a class or giving a lecture, so I say, are there any questions? If there's no questions, one of two things. Either you understand it perfectly or you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about and can't even ask a question. So the, to have the question is very important. And to, to go looking for the answers and to keep looking, the answer is there. It may take years, but the answer is there. And this is going to be uh, followed up with my story in the next in the next segment. So, do you need Shmura Matzah? Are you in the greater Detroit area? Drop me a line at RabbiFinman.com. It's very important. Uh, box Matzah, the square stuff, it's kosher, 100%. You get A+. Plus. Do you want A+, plus, plus good credit? You want to have the Shmura Matzah, the hand-baked, round 
matzah, which was guarded from the time of the cutting until the time of the completion of the baking. That's what you want. And it just so happens I'm distributing that in the Detroit area. So drop me a line, RabbiFinman.com, and I'll get it to you, and uh, hopefully we'll get it next week. That's, you know, that's the deal. Because Passover is a time, it's a time when people get together, the Seder, it's, uh, it, was, it was actually quite fascinating that my wife and I, in the course of our lives together, have had a couple instances that due to technical concerns, like, like during COVID, for example, it was just the two of us. And we're thinking, boy, it would be really cool. But what did I do during COVID is I went around and I gave people the, the tools to make their own satyrs so that they didn't have to come. They shouldn't feel. And that way you can connect. Even if you're just, I tell people, here's a box of matzah. I'm not going to Seder. And I'm da, da, da. Fine. Wednesday night, after it gets dark, eat a third of this matzah. These matzahs are big. Eat a third of this matzah. And you'll be connected to every other Jew who's connecting to God, eating that matzah. You want to do something more? Good. Have four cups of wine, four cups of grape juice. You want to do something more? Fine. Sing Dayenu. It's all good. It's all part of that connection that's connecting us to our past because if we remember our past and the commemoration is at the end of the Haggadah, which everything is says, everything goes to the according to the end. What are we gearing towards? Next year in Jerusalem. And as this collective of the Jewish corpus, the body of, Jew, of Judaism, is all proclaiming next year in Jerusalem. Well, next year in Jerusalem could be before April the 5th, because it's from last year's next year in Jerusalem. We're still, we still got time on, on last year's. Let's hope we get there. I'm really, I would really like to do, spend Pesach in Jerusalem. Let's try and get it together. We got to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. With the new year approaching, why go anywhere else for your holiday shopping when you can go to the Grove? Fully renovated, the Grove is located on Greenfield Road, just south of 696. At the Grove, you'll find the largest selection of kosher foods and wines in Michigan. Looking for fresh, round holiday challahs, honey cake, or exotic fruit for the new year? The Grove has it. The Grove has the freshest produce, gourmet dairy, deli, and meats. They even have a kosher bakery and hot takeout right on the premises. It's the Grove on Greenfield Road and 696 for all your shopping needs. Herschel Finman here, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. That was the Grove Rosh Hashanah ad. Evidently, since they changed their name from One Stop to the to Grove, I didn't make a Passover one. But they have all your Passover needs as well. They have the round matzahs, they have all the wines and grape juices, and they have, I saw there, even tubs of charosis. You don't even have to make your own charosis. And uh, you get charosis of the liver. They had chopped liver too. It was all, you know, everything there is everything is right there. Want to get in touch with me about anything? RabbiFinman.com. You know the rule. We are now in April, and Baruch Hashem, March was paid off. We are 29 years now into doing the Jewish Hour. If we can get April paid off, like any time before April, I stop with the with the request for money. So go to RabbiFinman.com. Go to the donations page. We've been doing this for 29 years 
and 51 minutes and 39 seconds and you've listened and you're listening and you're you're liking it and it costs there's nothing my mother used to say there's no such thing as a free lunch so it's costing somebody something so you know pay a bit it could be $5 a month, $10 a month, make a $50 donation for the year, whatever it is, make a $5,000 donation for the year, whatever it is, it's all good. Do that at RabbiFinman.com, unless you're not into internet giving, in which case, when, sometime soon, my bank told me I will be able to give up Zell, and then you'll be able to Zell it, which is even quicker. But in the meantime, you want to do it uh, the old-fashioned way, send a check to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. In honor of the Rebbe's 120th birthday, 121st birthday, excuse me, which is celebrated Sunday, um, this is the story that came to mind. There was a person by the name of Ellie Lasky, is a person by the name of Ellie Lasky. He is a resident of Buffalo, New York. Um, he was born in the DP camps in Germany. His parents saw Holocaust survivors. They came to this country. He was raised in a religious environment, went to yeshiva. By the time he graduated yeshiva at 18, he was like, eh, this is not for me. And he became a hippie. And he got involved with, of all things, music production. And he he met some pretty famous names. And he became a, uh, a roadie for uh, the Rolling Stones. And in 1973, he was one of the roadies for this 1973 tour of the world. And he went traveled all the world with the, with the uh, Rolling Stones. And as he puts it, I saw depravity that no human being should ever be exposed to. So something about it was just like, was missing. Now, when he was studying in the University of Buffalo, so he met Rabbi Gerari, who was the shliach there, and he told him, why don't you go, go visit the Lubavitcher Rebbe, 1973. So he walks in, walks in the world headquarters, 770. He wants to talk to the rabbi. And someone says he's wearing blue jeans and snakeskin boots and a leather jacket. And uh, it's January. It's a little bit cold out. And he said, the rabbi's not here, but he's coming back from the grave. And you can talk to him when he gets out of the car. Okay, so the Rebbe pulls up, and uh, he gets out, and he says to him, since his first language was Yiddish, he thought it was appropriate, do bist Rebbe? So are you the Lubavitcher Rebbe? So the Rebbe locked eyes, and he said he felt like he was being transported over mountains when the Rebbe looked at him, like in another dimension. And the Rebbe says, said to him in Yiddish, this is all going on Yiddish, who are you, what's your name, where are you from? And he told them. And he said, uh, can I ask you a question? He said, ask. So he said, where's God? So the Rebbe said, everywhere. He said, I know that one. But where's God? He said, God's in everything. He's in the trees, and he's in the flowers, and in the grass. He said, yeah, Rebbe, where's God? So they gave him like a real hard look and said, God's in your heart. And it never occurred to him that there's this internal aspect of connecting to the Almighty. He said it changed his life, and today he is, uh, he is a Sabbath-observant Jew married with four kids that are all grown up at this point. Well, he's probably grandkids that are whatever. He says that he was actually invited in the 80s to come to a Rolling Stones concert in Buffalo. 
And the, the one of the producers actually came to, came to his house. They're sitting and schmoozing. They said, come on, we'll give you free tickets, just like the old days. He said, when's the concert? Friday night. He said, let's see, Rolling Stones or my Shabbos? Hmm, my Shabbos. Thank you very much. That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a happy, a healthy, and a kosher Passover. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.